Welcome to the Life Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church based in North Dallas with a desire to help people love God, love people, and make a difference. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Over the past several services, we've been talking about God's good gifts, and we're going to wrap this series up today. And listen, I, I don't know what you're in for the next day or two in terms of gifts, but uh, just, you know, you might have to remind yourself that it's the thought that counts. And it's, uh, but when it comes to God, it's not that way because his gifts are good. All of his gifts are perfect. So far, we've talked about the gift of healing. And I I just want to let somebody know here today, God is still in the healing business. He's not out of business when it comes to healing. He's still a healer. As a matter of fact, one of his names in the Old Testament that he used to represent himself was Jehovah Rapha, the the Lord who heals. That's a gift that God gives. We talked about the gift of forgiveness, and I'm thankful that not only that we can receive forgiveness, but in this season that this is also an opportunity for us to give forgiveness. If you want healing inside, if you want healing mentally, emotionally, internally, then there needs to be forgiveness that happens. And then this past Wednesday night, I talked about the gift of another chance. And I believe that I'm looking at a group of people who are grateful for another chance. Not a second chance or a third chance because we need more than that, don't we? But God gives another, he gives a fresh start. You don't have to wait until January 1st for a fresh start. You can get a fresh start today. You can start anew today. You can make up in your mind to live for God today because he's the God of another another chance. These are gifts God gives. This morning, this afternoon, maybe I should say, I, I want to focus on the final gift of this series, and it's, it's an amazing gift, and Honestly, of the ones that I've talked about, it's the greatest gift of them all because it makes the other gifts possible. And that that is the gift of God with us. God with us. You know, we've been in the book of John for the past several services, and so we're going to go back there today. If you'll turn with me in your Bible or open your Bible app, or if you don't have that, follow along on the screen. But we've been looking to the book of John. This is where we've drawn our inspiration uh, for this series. And in just a moment, we'll begin with the first verse of the first chapter. And this, this is the beginning. You might, you might know that in Luke, it begins with the, the genealogy in Matthew, and there's the genealogies there. But uh, the, the genealogy in, in the book of John is, is different, and, and John is trying to reveal to us another aspect of the Lord, that he is divine, that he is deity, that he is God. And so the beginning of, of this book in chapter 1, it's, it's what is known as the divine genealogy of Jesus, letting us know this is where he comes from. And it, it's really trying to paint the picture for, of, for us of how majesty became humanity. And so today as we work our way through it, I, I want to focus on a few words that are key to this divine genealogy. The first word I want you to notice, and we'll put it on the screen, but ironically, it's the word, word. Word. John 1 and 1 starts like this. 
in the beginning. Now, I want you to think, before we go any further into that verse, I want you to think about where you've heard that kind of language before. Genesis 1 and 1 begins with the same exact three letters. In the beginning, Genesis 1 and 1 says, God created the heavens and the earth. But John chapter 1, verse number 1, actually takes us back a little further than Genesis 1 and 1 does. I want you to think about this. As a matter of fact, you don't really get to Genesis chapter 1, verse number 1, until you get to the third verse of John chapter 1. When John said, in the beginning, he was referencing a beginning that was before creation. He was referencing an existence before God began his creative work in the book of Genesis. He was talking about a beginning before time commenced. We know God doesn't need time. God exists outside of time. God made time for you and I. And so John is saying before time. Before God started creating, this is what was going on. Genesis 1 and 1 starts by declaring, in the beginning, God created. But John 1 and 1 starts by declaring what existed before God began creating. It speaks of the eternal God. It speaks of the everlasting God. It speaks of the fact that he has always been and he will always be. There's never a time without God. There's never a place where God was not. John chapter 1 verse 1. If we can put it back on the screen. In the beginning. What was there? The word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. You can make no distinction between the word. In God. It was there in the beginning, and the Word was God. Word in the original language is the word logos. That's, that's what the, the Greek is, logos, and it's from the same word that we get our English word logic, L-O-G-I-C. And, and, and what is what is logic? Logic is is, is rationale, it's it's reasoning. It's, it's finding the meaning or, or the substance. And so I, I posit to you today that if you want to understand the meaning for life, if you want to understand the reason for life, if you want to have an answer to the question, why are we all here? Why do we exist? What is life really about? If you want to know what is steering and guiding everything, can I tell you today, you've got to start with the Word. You've got to start with the Logos. You've got to start with the logic, the logic of God. So that's what John was doing here in the beginning of his book. He was letting us know right off the bat about the rationale of the universe. He's telling us why things are the way that they are. He's telling us the, the real reason behind our lives. He's telling us it's the Word. It's God. It's, it's the one who was the Word in the very beginning. He is the logic. He's the reason for the entire universe. So, so who is that, that baby lying in a manger? 
Well, Colossians chapter 1 verse 17 tells us this, that he, speaking of Jesus, he is before all things. That's who this baby is. He's the word. And in the beginning was the word. And the word was God. He's before all things. And in him, everybody say in him, all things consist. You and I consist. We live and move and have our being. How? In him. He's the reason today. He's, he's the rationale. He's the logic. He's the one who makes sense of your life. If your life doesn't make sense, maybe you need to get back to the word. Because he's the one who will make your life make sense. He's the one who gives you reason for living. Acts 17, 28, I referenced it, but let me go ahead and read it. Here's what it says. For in him we live. In him we move. And have our being. He gives us meaning, church. He gives us reason. He explains why life is the way that it is and what the real purpose of life is. He is the logic behind it all. He is the Word. But not only is the Word the logic for life, but He's also the revelation of God to you and I. Not, not only is Jesus the logic for life, but Jesus reveals God to humanity. Look back at what it said in verse 1, and we really are going to go on to another verse in just a minute. But In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word, some of you are catching on, and the Word... And the word was God. So skip down to verse 14 in John chapter 1. Let's find out a little bit more about the word. Here's what it says in, here's what it says in verse 14. And the word became flesh. And what's his name? And he dwelt among us. So church Jesus is not only the reason for life, but he is the revelation of God to you and I. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 tells us that Jesus is the express image of God. He is the representation of God to all of us. He's the icon. He is the image. If you wanted to see God, all you had to do was look at Jesus. Praise the Lord. If you want to see God today, can I tell you, all you need to do is look to Jesus. You don't need to look anywhere else. Just look to Jesus. Just look to the lowly Jesus. Do you remember the Last Supper? One of the disciples said to Jesus, the request was, show us the Father. We want to see. We want to see this God that we're serving. We want to see this God that we worship. We want to see this God that we're committed to. But what did Jesus say to that request in return? He said, if you've seen me, I'm the representation. I'm the revelation. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. There's no distinction. There's no daylight between the Father and the Son. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So today, if you want to know what God looks like, look at Jesus. 
John 1, verse 1 through 3, we're reading this again. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. Now we finally get to Genesis 1 and 1. Who did all this? The Word, Jesus. The Word was made flesh. He was born of a virgin named Mary. His arrival was heralded by an angel choir. And He, God, the Word, Jesus dwelt among us. Praise God. The second word I want to share with you today is the word life. Verse 4 begins like this. It says, in Him was life. Can I tell you that God didn't have to get life from anybody else? In Him was life. Nobody gave it to Him. It originated with Him. It started with Him. Hallelujah, in Him was life. At creation, He was the source of life. In Him, that's what John said, in Him was life. And I want you to know today, I'm not just talking about biological life. Even though He is the giver of biological life. But I want you to know that more importantly, there's another kind of life in Jesus. And that is spiritual life. And that's why he could speak a word and the animal kingdom appear. But he could also form man out of the dust of the ground and kneel down and breathe into him the breath of life. And man became a living soul, an eternal soul. So the animal kingdom and the vegetation, all the plant life, that's biological. But the other, when he breathes in the breath of life, that's spiritual. And I want you to know today that spiritual life is real life. Spiritual life is true life. It's eternal life. And that's the kind of life that he gives. You see, I want you to know today that you can have biological life and not have spiritual life. You, you can be alive in the flesh today, but you can be dead in your spirit. But in him. In Jesus was life. Jesus said this about himself in John 14 and 6. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. Somebody finish it for me. And I am, I am the life. Praise God. It's great to be physically alive today. But I want you to know that it's empty and void if you're not spiritually alive. John 10 and 10, Jesus told us about that spiritual life when he said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. You may have life today, but can I tell you, you can have abundant life in Jesus. There's more life available. The Apostle Paul said this about spiritual life in 1 Corinthians 2 and 9. He said, I has not seen nor ear heard. In other words, there's a realm outside of the physical. There's something beyond what you can see. There's something beyond what you can hear. Nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. 
Does anybody know about that abundant life today? Does anybody know that he picked you up and he turned you around? That he brought you out of darkness and into his marvelous light? He's a life giver. And life in him is abundant life. Verse 4 of John 1 goes on to say, In him was life, and the life was the light, was the light of men. So that's what spiritual life does. It illuminates. That, that's why we talk to our kids in Sunday school, Hey, this little light of yours, don't hide it. Don't conceal it. Don't put it under a bushel. Because once you know God, he sets you on fire. Once you come to know him, he illuminates your life. That's what the spirit does. It illuminates. It, it guides. It directs. It shows us where to go. It benefits those around us. Praise God. The third word I want to share with you today, and I won't be much longer. The third word is the word dwelt. I'm going to go back to verse 14 of John 1. It says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. See, John, John very intentionally used this word in verse 14 because that word dwelt was the same word used for the word tabernacle in the Old Testament. That's what John is trying to communicate here. The word became flesh and he tabernacled. He dwelt. He made his home among us. You might recall it was in the tabernacle of old, the tabernacle of the Old Testament, that the glory of God, the presence of God dwelt. In the Old Testament book of Numbers, chapter 9, beginning in verse 15, we read, now on the day that the tabernacle was raised up, the cloud covered the tabernacle. So what was that cloud? It's the glory of God. It's the representation of the presence of the Lord, letting the people know that, hey, God is here. God dwells here. It goes on to say that the tent of testimony from evening until morning, it was above the tabernacle like the appearance of fire. That's another manifestation of the presence of God. Verse 16, so it was always that the cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. And whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, after that, the children of Israel, they would, they would journey. In other words, when that cloud moved, they moved. And then in the place where the cloud settled, when the clouds stopped moving, then the children of Israel, they would pitch their tents. So the tabernacle was associated with the glory of God. And again, this is what John said to us in verse 14 of John chapter 1. And the word became flesh and dwelled. Oh, hallelujah. I'm thankful for an Old Testament tabernacle. But I'm even more thankful today that he tabernacles within me. 
I'm even more thankful today that God brought the relationship even a step closer. And he says, hey, it was good to be in the midst of the people. It was good to have a location where my cloud dwelt and where the fire dwelt. It was good to have a place where my presence was located. But it's even better when the word becomes flesh and he dwells amongst us. You see, no longer is the tabernacle confined to just a certain group of people in the Middle East. No longer is it a tent that you go into to worship, but now the tabernacle of God is right here. Now the dwelling place of God is right here. He's with you. He's with me. And accompanying the tabernacle, accompanying his dwelling is the glory of God. Oh, hallelujah. I see his glory on your face today. You might be struggling with life, but there's still glory in you. You, you might have questions right now that you don't have answers to, but the glory of God, because he's dwelling in you, because he's tabernacled, because he's made his home in you, his glory. Listen, that's what your coworkers sense when you walk past them in the hallway. That, that's what the people sense when you're, when you're interacting with them in the marketplace. It's the glory of God because he doesn't just dwell in a tent any longer. He dwells in us. He dwells in us. That means when you go to work, the tabernacle goes with you. Hallelujah. That means, young people, when you're at school, the tabernacle is with you. When you're at a home, when you're driving your car, God is dwelling. God is tabernacling in you wherever you go. Oh, praise God. And that's a good gift. I said, that's a good gift that I don't ever have to be alone. That's a good gift. That I don't have to fight my own battles. That's a good gift. That I don't have to lean on my own understanding. But I can lean on the understanding of the Lord. That's a good gift. The Word. The Word became flesh. He became human. And now he's dwelling amongst his people. Let's look at the rest of verse number 14 of John 1. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we, here's that, here's that glory again. We beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. Listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confront you with truth today. But as I confront you with truth, grace is going to be extended. I'm going to confront you with the reality of the word today, the truth. But at the same token, you're going to have an opportunity to, re to respond. Take advantage of the grace of God. Hallelujah. So when you're looking at a manger, when you're looking... At a, at a baby placed in the midst of straw, wrapped in swaddling clothes, and you're thinking about Christmas, well, certainly, absolutely wonder. There should be wonder in your mind about the fact that God came in the form of a baby. 
But can I encourage you today to marvel even more at the fact that that baby was God. A God who came to dwell with us. He's the logic. He's the one that makes everything make sense. He's the reason. He's the one that pulls it all together. This, this Christ child, he's the revelation of who God is and what God wants to do in our lives. He's not just life, but he's abundant life. He's eternal life. He's the God who dwells with you. Musicians, if you'd go ahead and come. It was prophesied in the Old Testament book of Isaiah, the seventh chapter. 14th verse, therefore the Lord himself, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That Old Testament prophecy uttered through the lips of Isaiah was picked up by the gospel writer Matthew in Matthew chapter 1 verse 23 and here's what it says behold the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel which is translated here's the gift God with us what a gift church God with us what a what an incredible gift what a priceless what a matchless gift. But it's like I talked about Wednesday night. This gift isn't automatic. I talked about it this past Sunday. The gift, just because the gift is there doesn't mean that you've received it. So what do we need to do to benefit from this gift? Well, John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13 say this, but as many as received him, they received the gift. To them he gave the right to become what? Children of God. To those who believe in his name. But how does that happen? Look at verse 13. Who were born. You have to be born. But he's not talking about your physical birth. If you want to be a child of God, you've got to be born into his family. You've got to be born into his kingdom. You've got to be born into his lineage. If you want to be a child of God, you've got to be born. But he goes on to tell them, no, no, not physically, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh. It's nothing you can do in your own power, nor of the will of man. But, in other words, it's not automatic. You've got a physical birth, but you've got to be born. You've got to be born of God you got to be born of God. To become a child of God, you've got to be born of God. Jesus called it being born again. As a matter of fact, he spoke those words just a couple chapters later in John chapter 3. Here we have it. The word made flesh begins to speak. And some of the first words that are captured of Jesus is in, in, in the book of John almost immediately he tells this man named Nicodemus he says nobody can see the kingdom of God 
unless they're born again. Verse 5 of John chapter 3 tells us what that means. Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Church, that's how you become a child of God right there. That's how you're born of God right there. That's how you're born again. It's by water. You must be baptized. It's not just a suggestion. It's not an option. Take it or leave it if you feel like doing it. If you want to be born again, you've had your physical birth. But if you want a spiritual birth, you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ so that your sins may be remitted. You also need to be born of the Spirit. Hallelujah. We're born in sin. We're shaping in iniquity. We need God to come along and to breathe into us the breath of life. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. If you want to be a child of God, if you want to be born again, you must be born of water and you must be born of the Spirit. Can I tell you today, this isn't a life church thing. This isn't a Pentecostal thing. This isn't even an evangelical thing. But this is a Jesus thing. This is a word thing that I'm preaching to you about. It's a grace thing that you don't have to, you get to. You get to. Hallelujah. This is a God thing. God wants to dwell. God wants to inhabit. God wants to make his home within you. That's what Christmas is all about. God comes near. Would you stand with me right now? Hallelujah. Listen, if you want to go to heaven, I I know it's Christmas time, but it doesn't do us any good if we don't tell you the truth today. I want you to be saved more than I want you to be comfortable. I want you to become a child of God rather than me just tell you something that tickles your ears and makes you feel good. If you want to go to heaven, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you must. Jesus' words, the word made flesh, start speaking. You must be born again. If you want to have a relationship with the one who gives meaning to life, you've got to be born again. If you want the glory of God dwelling within you, you must be born of the water and the Spirit. If you want, if you desire to be a child of God, you must be born again. And it's the greatest gift. And it's available to every single one of us here today. There's nobody that is exempt from receiving this gift today. There's nobody that is excluded from receiving this gift today. There's nobody that is here this afternoon, and you may be thinking, but you don't know me, and you don't know my background, and you don't know what I've done. None of that matters. He came for you too. 
and he'll come to you again today if you'll allow him. Oh, I wonder on this Christmas Eve, could we just really make Jesus the reason for the season by us all stepping out from where we are? Come on, can we conclude this service around the altar today? Would you come and would you invite him in? Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you were inspired by today's sermon. Connect with the Life Church through our website, tlcdallas.com, and on Facebook and Instagram at TLC Dallas. Remember, together we can love God, love people, and make a difference. God bless.